Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Well, it's another Saturday. Here we are, Harry Alexander, along with Bunker de France and yep. Todd Roberts, and it is Emil Franzing's Voices of the West. Howdy, boys. And his, and his Howdy. Amigo, and his amigo Dan. Dan is here, too. Yes, Dan. Dan is faithful and uh, sitting beside me as we eat uh, cheese crackers and apples. Okay, ah, sounds better. Well, we got some Girl Scout cookies. Yeah, we got some Girl Scout cookies, uh, Girl Scout cookies up here. Uh, let's see a little, a little bit of uh, housekeeping goodies today before we yeah. launch on to our topic, which is cowboy justice: real versus real. That's real versus real. R E A L versus R E E L. Double E. Mm-hmm. First of all, 2019's number one cable series was a western. Imagine that. Yeah. Yellowstone on the Paramount Network. Imagine that. Kevin Costner. It's good. It's a. Uh, I have trouble watching it. I've watched them. Um, I think it's great, but I have trouble watching it. How come? Um. It's too much like Dallas for me. Oh, well, And I yeah. was not a Dallas fan. Well, you know, it, it, it follows the line of Empire with Richard mm-hmm. Egan, yeah. Yellow Rose. Mm-hmm. And Yellow Rose, I loved it, but again, like you say, it was it was an awful soapy. Yeah. Um, today is, uh, or would be, uh, the birthday of one Theodore Childress Wills. You know him as Chill Wills, born this day in 1902. Left was, us. It, was that the hottest day or the coldest day he was born on? <laughs> I know, that's part of the story. Yeah, right. I he, can't remember. And he left us uh, December 15th of 1978, American actor, singer, and the Avalon Boys Quartet. And if you want to make any comments about uh, what we're going to draw on today, uh, you're certainly welcome to, at, uh, to do at facebook.com slash voices of the West. Uh, I'll be watching that. Send them um, emails. Or you can shoot us an email at uh, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. Watching that, too. Or you can join the chat through our audio feed software at uh, voicesofthewest.net. So there's bunches of ways that you can scream at us if you so desire or yeah, not. And please do. And also, uh, listen, uh, subscribe to our newsletter, doggone it. Yeah. There you go. So in honor of Chill Wills, I'll tell my... F- Give you share you my favorite Chill Wills line of all time. Okay, comes from the movie Giant, mm-hmm. and uh, people, uh, people, the house people. has progressed. It's a little more. Uh, it's it you know, it was all Victorian inside and out. This is the period of time where everything is uh, white inside. It's somewhere into the fifties. It's present day for the film. And Leslie Elizabeth Taylor is coming off the tennis court, and she comes upon. Uh, her husband, Vic Rock Hudson, who is um, sitting around on the pool with all his uh, cohorts, and they're all talking about the election. They're always talking about the election coming up. Make sure they got the right votes, count up the right votes. And she comes walking by, and they're talking about, well, you know, uh, we gotta, we got to do this, and we got to do this, and this guy, you know, he's a good guy. He's done this and that. And Leslie, with her very sharp tongue, says... Um, something to the effect of, well, you know, my father helped people all his life. He was a doctor, and he never asked for anything. And uh, 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 Chill Wills kind of chuckles. Just the way he chuckles, it was so, like, evil. Mm. And at the same time, funny, because you wanted to laugh with him, because you got his, his point, which was, you know, that's nice for you to share, little lady, but it doesn't help now. <laughs> and uh, at another point in the film when James Dean has discovered all the oil and uh, he comes over to ruin the uh, birthday party of Dennis Hopper, who at the time is a little boy, and uh, he gets in a fight with Rock Hudson. And he drives off. He's covered in oil, and he's cussing at the whole group of them. And as he drives off, Chill Wills is standing on the porch, and he sees uh, James Dean covered in oil driveway in his dirty old pickup, and he says, Ah, we missed an opportunity. We should have killed that boy a long time ago. Now yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I've got a Chill Will story. Uh, when I was, right after I got out of the Navy, I was working at the racetrack at Rio Dosa, 
taking care of the jockey quarters in the paddock. And every year, towards the end of the meet, the jockeys would have their uh, jockey ball. And that particular year, uh, their guest uh, MC was Chill Wills, and he was there with his wife. Well, I got a I got an award from the jockeys because they appreciated my, I guess, due diligence and hard work. So anyhow, he's up there and he's talking about this and that, and he goes, he says, you know, he says, behind every successful man is a good woman. Behind every good woman, and he puts his arm around his wife, is a good behind. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was a character, man. He was a great character. All right, guys. Very uh, funny. <clears throat> I, Very took, I, I took Very my wife and I took one for the team last Saturday. Every Saturday at uh, our house is uh, Westerns Night, and uh, we saddle up, of course. And uh, I mean, if we had saddles like we find them over at the um, White Stallion Ranch, we'd probably be sitting on those watching our <laughs> shows. But it, you know, Harry. We're going to have to create an award for the for stuff like that. We'll call it the Warm Cow Chip Award, warm, yeah. and we're going to give it to you. This All We're right. going to let you have it. Well, uh, the, the fetching Mrs. Alexander wants dinner out of this one. <laughs> because this well, is... and she deserves it. She truly does. <laughs> and let me just hearken back to our fearless leader, who I was talking about you once with before we had ever really met, Harry. Uh-huh. I asked Hamel a favor. I said, you know, Hamel, I, I'd love to get all the shows that I've done on a thumb drive or something. Right, right. You know, if I could have them so I could so I could listen to them again and critique myself and so on. And he kind of made fun of me and, and about it all. And I said, no, no, I really mean it. I really mean it. He goes, well, I'll ask Harry. <laughs> and uh, he'll he'll put it together. I said, well, I, I need to I need I need to then reciprocate to Harry. If it's not you who's doing it, I need to do something for Harry. And he said, well, when you come out here, just bring him a good bottle of Irish whiskey. <laughs> and I said, and give it to him, and that will be thanks enough. He'll appreciate it. That's right. And Did I said, well, shouldn't I, uh, shouldn't I, uh, um, shouldn't I, I, I send it now that he's doing the work now? So... He goes, hell no. I'll either steal it or he won't remember it. Right. <laughs> How true. How true. Well, I did take one for the team. Yes, and uh, right on, Re- Revenge of the Virgins, it uh, has got to be one of the worst Westerns ever made. And you hear the crickets and frogs. Uh, the movie <laughs> comes from an idea by Edward Wood, who writes the screenplay as uh, Peter LaRoche. And the premise of this movie is, according to legends and old prospectors, that there's more gold in them than are hills than one can imagine. And most of the town really laughs off the old prospector, but the old prospector is so convincing that gold is out there for the taking that he is hired by some eastern dude who happens to overhear all of this nonsense. Uh, the eastern dude, uh, he uh, hires that old prospector to lead a group to look for the gold. Well, the problem is where this gold is located, said to be in what they called, quote, Injun country. Mm. Although we don't really know what tribe is supposed to be in the area, except that it is a tribe of women who are topless. Mm. The eastern dude and the old prospector uh, round up some help consisting of a couple gunfighters, one of whom is played by Henry Darrow, who you know is Mono on High Chaparral, as well as on a variety of other uh, motion pictures and television Oral. shows. Um, so they're looking, all these gunfighters are looking for an easy day, payday. So also coming along is the Eastern dude's wife who came out west with her hubby in the hopes that he would buy her a saloon where she could become the queen. Now you see all these interplots going on here. The dialogue, it leaves a, left a lot to be desired. <laughs> the acting was terrible. Most of the outdoor scenes had the audio overdubbed in the studio. I mean, you could really tell. And what's not shot outside is done on a soundstage rather poorly. Uh, Cuts between the outside action and inside action are just plain laughable. Then there's the the tribe of the topless Indian women. 
Yeah, tell us more, Eric. Well, if this woman, if this movie were in color, I bet we would have seen a lot of blue eyes on those ladies. One has to wonder how the topless idea came to fruition because it makes no sense whatsoever to the rest of the show uh, or story. Uh, unless Wood was trying to sneak in some nudity just to be different, and we know that he was that kind of a guy. Um, <laughs> we, we primarily, here's what we see of the, in, of the topless Indian tribe uh, w- uh, women. We see them sneaking up on the prospecting party. We see them listening in on the conversations of the prospecting party. And then one of the prospecting party gets an arrow in the back. Go figure. I, it, it, I don't know where it came from. Bow and arrow. Apparently the aim, well, I know that, but uh, the <laughs> aim of the story appears to be the protection of the gold by those Indian maidens uh, from the outsiders. Rather weakly told story, though. According to Henry Darrow's biography, the actors thought they were actually filming a low-budget Western and were okay with that. Um, the story changed, though, when uh, they did find out topless women scenes were <laughs> edited in. And because of that, Darrow refused to add uh, this particular film to his resume. He'd have got more work if he had. Well, and uh, one of our faithful listeners, Sharon, uh, got Henry Darrow to sign uh, uh, his biography and, and, and her copy of the movie Revenge of the uh, Virgins. She has it? She has it. Gerard? She has it. And, oh, my and, God. And she said that Henry just laughed at it. Um, oh, that is so, priceless. Yeah. I'll have to, yeah, I got to call her now. So, so the movie runs 52 minutes, but it sure seemed a lot longer. <laughs> um, it was directed by Peter Perry Jr., who uh, was also known as Dick C. Crane, Dick Crane, A.J. Gaylord, Peter Perry, Pete Perry, Peter uh, Perry Peters, A.P. Stutzberry, A. Stutzberry, Arthur P. Stutzberry, Peter Stutzberry, I love this one, Seymour Tukas, and Seymour Tushis. Uh, that is Revenge of the Nerds. Or, no, the Nerds, of, of the... Uh, the nerdy, the, yeah. new re- women thingy, re- re- yeah. Revenge of the Virgins. God, God awful movie. I mean... Henry Darrow doesn't even go by Henry Darrow in the, uh, uses the credits. That's his real name. Uh, well, Hank Delgado is how he was credited uh, and uh, the, with his real name. Yeah. Um, Puerto it, Rican. Yeah. It, it, was, it was bad. <laughs> it was just bad. All oh, right. Oh, God. How can we do the rest of the show after that? I mean, that's priceless. Cowboy Justice yeah. would have been to not make that movie. Yeah, it would have been to lynch uh, Ed Wood. <laughs> yeah. Lynch Ed Wood is right. Yeah. Is it too late? No, I, um, I uh, think so. Yeah, I heard he was sick. Yeah. Well, you know, let's 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 do this then. Uh, I've got a copy of Trails Plowed Under: Stories of the Old West by Charles M. Russell, better mm-hmm. known as Charlie, and it's one of my favorite books. I've I've probably read it a half a dozen times, read it the first time when it's in the Navy. But there's one little uh, incident in there that I think personifies cowboy, real, R-E-A-L, justice. It's, the little thing is called Hands Up. Jack Shea tells one time about being held up. He was in Colorado, and he's traveling on a coach. There's five passengers, and one of them is a middle-aged woman. There's been a lot of stick-up men on the road, and this old lady is worried. She's got $50, and she's trying to get to her daughter somewhere up in the north. This 50 is all she's got, and if she loses it, she's on the rocks. There's an old man in the bunch that's got all the earmarks of a cowman, says Cher. He tells her, stick a roll under the cushions and... He slips her a couple of dollars, saying, this will pacify those road agents. We ain't gone five miles when the coach stops sudden, and a gent outside says, step out, folks, and keep your hands up while you're doing it. We all know what's going, what we're going up against, and ain't slow getting out. There's one gent at the leaders, got the driver and the outside passenger covered. Another that's waiting for us. They're both wearing blinds and healed till they look nasty. This stick-up seems to know the old man and speaks to him. The old man steps out of line and whispers something to him. 
none of us get any of his talk. But when the holdup man gets through trimming us, he reaches into the coat, flips the cushion, and grabs the old lady's roll. Then we all return to our seats, and the holdup gives the driver his orders, and the coach pulls out. We're all trimmed, the old lady's crying, and the rest of us ain't saying much, but we're doing a lot of thinking. From what we get, it looks like the old cowman stands in with the holdups. He tells the lady not to take it so hard when one of the passengers wants to know what the low talk is between him and the stick-up. The cowboy then turns his head. Wait a minute, what happened here? <laughs> okay, the cow cowman turns his hair and tells us all he double-crossed the old lady that he tells this holdup that $20 is in his bankroll, but if he'll pass him up, he knows where there's 50 The holdup agrees and tips, his, tips off the old lady's cash to protect himself. He tells it like he ain't ashamed and finishes saying, if you don't take care of yourself, nobody will. <laughs> this talk makes the whole bunch woofy. The passengers that's doing the talking is for stomping the coach, and if there's a rope, there'll be a hanging. We don't need a rope. What's the matter with a laid lane? If he's as light in pounds as he is in principles, we'll slip a boulder in his pants to give him some weight. <laughs> this skunk is dirtier than airy holdup on the road, and the sooner we pull this party, the better it suits me. Well, we're getting worked up on all this talk when the cowman that ain't turned a hair says, If you gentlemen will let me play my hand out, you'll find out who wins. But if you're bound to, go through with this hanging. By this time, the old lady's begging for the cowman. She don't want to see him strung up, but thinks jail is strong enough. But these passengers are frothing at their mouth, and it sure looks like the cowman's end is near. The driver has heard the story and stopped. Well, says the old man, if you're bound to hang me, and don't scare worth a damn, I'll slip my boots. I've been a gambler all my life, says he, dragging off his right boot, but none of you shorthorns ever was. You never played nothing but solitaire. This lady stakes me to fifty, says he, and I always split my winnings in the middle with them that stakes me. And taking a thousand dollars he's got tucked in his saw, he counts out five one hundred dollar bills and hands them to the lady. That's yours, says he. Nobody says nothing. The old lady's shaking hands and between sobs thanking this old crossroader. Somebody tells the driver to drive on, and we're just pulling into town when the man that's strong for hanging pulls a pint from his hip and says, To show you there's no hard feelings, we'll all take a drink, bearing the lady. When the bottle comes back to its owner, it's near dry, but before he empties it, he says, Here's to the gambler that pays his stakes. Then he's empties her and throws her out the window, and we all shake hands. <laughs> now, is that Cowboy Justice? I reckon. That is awesome. I reckon. We are talking Cowboy Justice, real versus real. Here on Emil Francie's Voices of the West, Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles, Bunker de France and Harry Alexander are here. We will be back with much more right after these very important messages. You stay tuned, please. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities
activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Ann. Anderson, served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honorveterans to find out how you can help. Watch classic Western movies anytime at voicesofthewest.net. back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander with you and uh, Bunker de France. And in Los Angeles, it's our good friend Todd Roberts, uh, who I don't know where he went to right now, but he'll be around shortly, I reckon. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking Cowboy Justice, real versus real. R-E-A-L versus R-E-E-L. Double E. I'm guessing that most of what we know or think we know about Cowboy Justice comes from the R-E-E-L yeah. version. Well, you know, if you think about it, the basic plot line in especially television is pretty much, you know, cowboy justice, you know, a good man with a good gun, uh, best in a bad man with a bad gun. Well, there are, uh, in the elements of the Western, this is from uh, Frank Gruber, Oh, good writer. Good writer. Uh, we have the revenge plot where the hero tracks down bad guys to avenge a wrong. Uh, we have the Union Pacific plot that's uh, building the railroad or stagecoach line or telegraph. Um, no but, justice there. No, no justice. But the revenge plot where the hero tracks down the bad guys to avenge a wrong, um, that could be. Ranch stories, usually to do with property rights or cowboy versus rustlers. Mm-hmm. There's some. Yeah, rustlers is the basic. Yeah. There. Uh, Ending up with hangings and lynchings. Yeah, the Marshall story uh, dedicated lawmen keeping law and order in a town or territory. That's more. That's more. That's more modern uh, law as opposed to justice. Yeah, but um, obviously the cowboy justice is one of those. Is one of those. uh, If if we agree with what Frank Gruber says, and I don't know why we would not, um, (laughs) then uh, that means that. There is an element. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing. In in the early days, there wasn't any law courts in the cow country, and that meant when a thief got caught, the cattlemen were judge, jury, and hangman. Yeah. And what did they use for their basis of law? What kind of creed or credo? Caught in the act? Or or, uh, somebody... Somebody accusing somebody who was more believable than no, the no, accused. no, 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 no. In, in 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 their in their trial, are are we to believe that it's there was just a trial? Okay, but trial in quotes. Yeah. Are <clears throat> uh, here? Well, we got a buzz. Got uh, a call coming in. No, it, it's 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 Mr. Roberts who apparently uh, Todd. Have you lost your? No. Now he's gone. You lost him. <laughs> lost him. <laughs> he probably got tired of listening to, to No, me. he's he's around someplace. Listening to me. He's here. But go ahead. Oh, well, you know, <clears throat> one of the things, you know, you, if you think about it, um they didn't they didn't get together and have a trial. They just said, "Okay, we got the varmint. He's wrong. We're going to hang him." And that's what they would do. You know, cuz 
One of the things, though, is like that we can get into, like the Johnson County War, which uh, that that was a case of cattlemen association making the laws against the small cattlemen, and a lot of people died uh, in the name of justice, which was really injustice. Uh, let's see, what else have we got here? Now, one of the things that would get a fellow hung back there would be the wrong brand on an un, unbranded livestock, a blotted brand, which means that it, when it's been altered, or slow brands, which was a thing that a lot of the uh, cow thieves would do. They'd steal a bunch of cows, uh, unbranded cows, throw a brand on them, and drive them to market as quick as they could uh, and sell them. Then you also had uh, another form, which was what they called trail thieves, which what they did is was when you would have a, a trail drive, say going up to Dodge or something like that, these guys would hide out in the hills, they'd stampede the cattle and then gather up a bunch of them up in a draw somewhere or something like that and then either take them to market and sell them or they'd go down and offer to help them gather up so much ahead. And it was yeah. just another form of stealing. Now we have Todd back. Are you there, Todd? I am. Ah. I can hear you through the computer, though. Ah. Uh, so I'm wondering if I should plug back in there. No, I'm going to turn that off. Okay. There we go. I was just rattling on so you didn't miss nothing. No, I heard what you were talking about. And, you know, I agree with you. The, the, the issue of, of, you know, there's always been an issue with cowboy justice as righteous as the deliverers think it is and fair it's 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 guided and driven by emotion but, as opposed to logic and fact but what about the golden rule would they have gone with the you know i, I what i'm thinking is the makeup of how um, the the country was at that time um, you had people who were people of faith Lots of people of faith, um, and they would uh, uh, the the way things were done is just like they were done in in ye old days. You know, you just didn't change things because y- y- it was a golden rule. And so that's my question: is well, is that how they looked at these things before the law came in, or well, or they weren't philosophical about it for one thing, and the other thing so? is used to use like a, two movies as an examples. Oxbow incident, perfect example, and Shane, another perfect you know, example. Ju- the, you know, the cowman's justice was Jack Palance. Yeah, and that's you know, which was not it was it was expediency uh, because Riker thought he was in the right. Is mm-hmm. he? You know, he's got that great scene with uh, Van Heffel in there when he's explaining that he came to this country when nobody was there. And yeah. he fought everything, and now all these people were coming in and fencing him out, and you know, and it's just not right. Well, all right. Well, go ahead. Go ahead, Harry. No, no, you go ahead. Well, I, I would say that I would add to um, Oxbow incident. I would add um, Lonesome Dove, Hang mm. 'em High, The Far Country, The Desperate Trail, and the and the Jack Bull, which was a TV made for movie. Yeah. Made for TV movie with John Cusack. Uh, each one of them have their own version of cowboy justice, and depending on whose side you're on or where you where you want to sit, where you want to sit as opposed to where you're supposed to sit, uh, you then decide or you pick a side. Um, and this is a subject that um, I have a lot of, shall I say, emotional connection with because my father made a film called. Death Wish, one and two, mm-hmm. which is about, you know, not just it's it's about cowboy justice in in New York and in in the metropolitan cities of the present day. I worked on the um, first one. The first one was the best one. Yeah. Um, the second one was not as good, but decent. And three, four, and five were, um, uh, as my father used to refer to it, the family members we don't invite to dinner. And the 40th um, one was like the topless uh, death wish. Yeah. My dad only made the first two. So he, he would refer to the other three, four, and five as the, you know, as as the family members we don't invite to dinner or try to associate with. And, and that's because 
they jumped the shark, as you might say, in Hollywood. Um, and I, I think that the message here is um, you better be completely and utterly con- right, not convinced, because the colonel in Oxford incident is convinced all of the hanging party in Hangem High are convinced mm-hmm. that they're right. Um, yeah. The Jack Bull, Jack John Kuzak and his group are convinced they're doing the right thing. It's not about being convinced. It's about you better be right completely and utterly. There is no, there's no room for error whatsoever here because that's how innocent people die, and that's what happens. At the end of the Jack Bull... He's hung with two of his top cohorts uh, while his son has to watch it. And now his son is left without a father, and he's basically an orphan because the mother was dead for anyway. So you better be really, really right in your, in your, in your delivering of justice. And I would, agree, I would say to you, Harry, that your point of, well, are we going to do uh, the golden rule here? would lead you to think, you know what, let's get you back to town and let's let a, a jury of your peers really, truly decide this. Well, and then sometimes they're not right. Maybe that's, maybe that's a Pollyanna version uh, of, of my, my thoughts I, or a Pollyanna version. No, I think you're on, to, you're on to something there because part of the thing, if you think about it, like when the, what, the wagon trains were coming west, mm-hmm. when they left, the Mississippi River into the prairie. They were their they own left, law. They left law behind. Yeah. So they formed committees and right. whatnot and everything. Right. But they also worked off of the Bible. But we also know that people can misuse that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to throw bunker. I want to throw two other movies in there just real quick, like, and that's the Hanging Tree, which is which, which is you see the mob out of control, mm-hmm. kind of like today, mm-hmm. and Tom Horn, where you see mm-hmm. uh, a very murky justice, you know, very. If you even well, want, if you can yeah. even call it justice, yeah. <laughs> they used him as long as as they used him for as long as they could, until they couldn't use him anymore. And when they couldn't use him anymore, they kicked him under the bus. They saw him as a liability, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He was a liability. Much like uh, things happen today. We are talking about uh, Cowboy Justice Real versus Real. That's R-E-A-L versus R-E-E-L. Here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. Bunker DeFrance is here. So am I, Harry Alexander. And uh, we're going to be back with much more on this topic right after these very important messages. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. Contact the Polash Management Company today at polashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Polash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online back- Backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Skeet Club announces summer trap and skeet leagues beginning Tuesday, June 24th for trap and five stand and Thursday, June 26th for skeet. The league runs eight weeks and competition begins at 6.30 p.m. Call 883-6426 to sign up. 
Summer office hours are 7.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's 883-6426, Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday between 7.30 and 1 p.m. to sign up for Summer Trap at Skeet League. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Tom, the host of the Movie Zealots podcast, and I'm inviting you to give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. Every episode, my co-hosts and I review the latest box office releases, but there's more than simply just that. We also play games like the Alexa quote of the show and may the odds be ever in your favor and have a from the cutting room floor segment that is an open forum to discuss anything from our thoughts of a Netflix TV series to our experiences with movie subscriptions such as the AMC stubs or movie pass. So after finishing this podcast, please give the movies out podcast a listen. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google play. Simply search movies out until then. And that's a wrap. Coming to you from the great southwestern United States. Young fella, if you're looking for trouble, I'll accommodate you. This is the Voices of the West. When would the Duke never be able to accommodate? Well, to paraphrase that, (laughs) if you're looking for justice, I'll accommodate you. All right, we're talking Cowboy Justice Real versus Real here on Emil Francie's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France in Tucson, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. And uh, Todd, you have a, a coffee cup there. You've got uh, a Jean's uh, Code of Ethics. Uh, is it the Code of Ethics? It is the Code of Ethics. I, I remiss, Harry, that that's all in storage. Oh, okay. But I do have it. All right. And, uh, I, I can name off a few. Well, I've, got, I've got the list here, oh, too. Okay, so. Bunker's got the list. So that's that's where I want to go next with this discussion. Okay. Well, let, so let me just throw one little curveball well, out at you and All right. before we move to the uh, Code of Ethics, which is, um, you know, we see it in Red River as well. Mm, yeah. And, and you know what? He's right in every way. He's right in every way. Except he doesn't, as a character, and we know this about the character as we get to know him better, he doesn't know the difference between, you know, uh, shall we say, um, my mother and father used to teach us kids, um, the difference between right and wrong and the difference between uh, uh, what works and what doesn't work. And I would say to you that, yes, he's right in the respect of wanting to whip the guy who dips his hand in the sugar or mm-hmm. kill Paul Fix and the other survivor of the three who mm-hmm. who ran off in the middle of the night. But you know what? It doesn't work for that the rest of the group there. So Noah Berry and John Ireland and Montgomery Cliff and... The, the guy, I always forget his name, that's Dan and I's favorite character in the film, the guy with the long hair. He's got the... Uh, oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the long hair behind his ears. He's one of the few guys... Al Talaferro. Al Yeah. Wally and, Wales. Yeah, he was a great actor and a great uh, Hollywood uh, uh, insider um, and worked on many films. You know... Wally Wales, uh, you're right. And, you know, they all know that, Mr. Dunstan, you're right. But this is not going to work. Because how do we know that uh, the next guy who makes a big blunder and mistake, you don't, you don't cut off one of his hands for it, you know? And I think that that's, that's also part of Cowboy Justice is when you take that into your hands, Again, that is my example of you better be really, really right. Amen. Well, they're right in their mind. Yes. That that that's yes. Uh, that I think is 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 important. They are right in their mind. Whether they are right in reality, they are right in their mind. The big well, company, both to, of the patriots. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that speaks to absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I would have, if it was me, and I would hopefully, I could wish that I could be that wise, benevolent, and um, strong mentally, physically, and emotionally. I would look to my two, you know, I'd look to Walter Brennan, and I'd look to Monty Cliff and say, what do you guys think? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. They both even vote against it. Yeah. yeah Mr. So, Dunson, you're wrong. Yeah. You're wrong. Okay, let's let's delve into some of the uh, <clears throat> cowboy ethics of Code uh, of the West. Code of the West, and maybe we can become cowboy ethicists. Well, you know, before before I do that, <laughs> I want to just mention one t- instance of real, R-E-A-L, cowboy justice. Okay. At, in the trail drives, on the cow camps, if a guy got out of line to the point that he needed, he needed schooling, they used to do what they called chapping, mm. which means they'd hold him down, they'd take his chaps, and they'd work him over from head to tail. By the time he was done, the guy had a different mindset. We did things like that in the military. Yep. I don't know if you did, but yeah, no, seriously, we did. A shower party. A shower party or short sheets. I mean, you know, the, the, there are ways to get your message across uh, to those yeah. who who, who uh, don't want to play the game. And, you know, uh military is a great, great example of that, man. You, Good you to- teacher. You t- yeah, you tell the line because this is what all of us, <laughs> yeah. no matter what you think. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. exactly. Number, number one, and I love I love this code because it's all just about what's practical and realistic. Never pass anyone on the trail without saying howdy. When approaching somebody from behind, give a loud greeting before you get within pistol shot. Proper hailing phrases according to the cowboy, 1922, are, Hello, stranger, and whoop, whoop, whoopee! <laughs> I get shot. <laughs> you sound like a siren. Yeah. <laughs> and it, anyhow, if anybody wants to ju- comment on these, and if not, I'll move on to number two. Yeah, go on. Okay, I love this one. Don't wave at a man on a horse. It might spook the horse, and the man will think you're an idiot. A nod. <laughs> is more than enough. Okay. Well, just to speak back to your uh, uh, talking about, you know, coming upon a man uh, from behind, you know, if you're walking a trail where people are riding bicycles, roller skates, or running, uh, that applies even to this day. Yeah. People will say to you, on your right. Or behind, right. yeah. But so most, most people... But most Your point is well taken but, here. But most but people aren't paying it. But most people don't pay attention because they got earbuds in, and they run over you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, you well, know. Thank you, Harry, for instilling <laughs> some faith in humanity for me. Uh, oh, my pleasure. Uh, we, we, <laughs> That's what we, I'm here for. Well, we know you're kind of down, so we're trying to cheer you up. Uh, thank you, Bunker. <laughs> I know you're always here to give. Well, we're always thinking of you, Todd. Well, okay. Here's another one here. After you pass someone on the trail, I love this, don't look back. It implies you don't trust them. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, isn't that? that is good. Well, that's, uh, that's, an interesting, uh, that's an interesting dichotomy, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, because if you do look back, it's, it lets you know that if the guy's honest, you don't trust him. But then again, if he's dishonest, you're going to catch him. <laughs> Looking down the barrel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, after yeah. you pass someone on a trail, oh, I already did that. Another man's horse, never ride another man's horse without his permission. It's nearly as bad as making love to his wife. Oh. <laughs> well, um, you know, this, this again goes back to my dating life here. <laughs> so uh, I will take this with great heed. <laughs> you should listen to this. You know, never shoot an unarmed man. Never shoot a woman at all. Yeah, that's right. kind of changed nowadays. It sure has. Yes. Feminism, yeah, I'd like to line them <laughs> up against the wall. Okay, a cowboy is pleasant even when out of sorts. Complaining is what quitters do, and cowboys hate quitters. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Yes, yes. Get the job done. Get the job done. Always be courteous and courageous. Cowards aren't tolerated in any outfit worth its salt. And that's that we need more of today. Mm-hmm. Cowards need to go find the mob. Yeah. That's where they're most at home. Well, that's well, where they're at. That's where they're at. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're in the movements that are in the street. Yeah, uh, but hide, hiding behind uh, goggles and hoods and masks and... Uh, I mean, if you're so proud of yourself, why are you hiding? Hey, I I protested the Vietnam War, okay, when I was young, 
And we didn't wear any hoods or anything like that or, or whatever. No, you just threw bricks. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, we got caught. and, and Got thumped. And got thumped. And, and that's, 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 that's the price. That's what happens. It's, I mean, you know. And, that's, and, that's the way it's supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah. So. But, Harry, I want to bring up a point here, and I'm not trying to make things more difficult, but um, you were serving in the military. Yes, I was. So you obviously had very, very distinct feelings and takeaways from your time in service. Well, I let I grew up. Okay, I mean that that says it right there. I grew up. Um, You you send an eighteen year old to a uh, a foreign country where they're shooting at people, and uh, Mm -hmm. especially when that young person's never been east of the Mississippi. (laughs) Uh, or shot at before, and uh, yeah, you grow up awful fast. I t- I'll tell you what, <laughs> and you change a lot of your thinking uh, right there. I, I I'm here to tell you, you do. Well, you know, you know <laughs> that that was a unique time in history, and that was a unique war. Well, it, because because you know, I grew up. I you know, I you got, I got out a, just before it well, started. Well, it was it was still it was it was the early it was percol- days. percolating. Yeah, per- but, the, and, but when I went in, you know. We still had the draft. I volunteered, mm-hmm. and uh, see, I was one of the last to get drafted. Yeah. In fact, my number was three hundred eighteen, uh, so you know I knew I was going to go. That's beside the point. Uh, you know, it, it, in my younger days, yeah, I did protest. I was very political in my younger days, and, and uh, not, You're the, not now. Uh, oh, I'm I'm political, <laughs> but I'm the other side of political yeah, that I was when I was uh, that age. Um, because you grow up and you see the light. I mean, how can you not? Well, you know, that's that was the thing. You know, that that was probably the Vietnam War was probably the education war. Yeah. Or it wasn't necessarily a good education, but no, I mean, wasn't. people people learn things they didn't know, and the I guess the glamour of war is what it took away. <laughs> I don't know that there was ever any glamour at war, well, but well, you know, look at Patton. There's, <laughs> yeah. There are people that are war yeah, lovers. I know. You know the old career sergeants. Sure. Yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. we're we're talking about uh, uh, cowboy justice, real versus real. That's R E A R E A L versus R E E L. Right here on Abel Francie's Voices of the West. We got to do our final commercial break. So, with that in mind, uh, kick back for a moment and. Uh, be right back with you. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry. 
an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. I just kind of figure on whistling out the uh, last few minutes. Don't go on whistling. <laughs> the, Here, whist- uh, the whistler. On Amal Franzi's Voices of the West, uh, Harry Alexander with you, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles, Cowboy Ethics is, uh, or uh, Cowboy Real, um, Justice, Real versus Real is what uh, we're talking about, and it, it's denigrated down into ethics and uh, whatnot. We're just, we're just playing Saturday. We're having fun with we're, it. We're yeah. playing Saturday philosophers, we are. Illish officers and, and and having a having a ball doing it and eating Girl Scout cookies. Well, I mean, you took philosophy in college. I took philosophy in college. Todd, you take philosophy in college? No, I've been a drunkard all my life. All right, well that 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 qualifies right there. Hey, the best philosophers in the world are two old drunks sitting at the bar about closing time. Uh, bartenders had a few himself, and they're sitting there, the three of them. Just talking about what's what. Kind of like this show. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, my two favorite lines from films are uh, my darling Clementine when Henry Fonda as Wyatt Earp uh, watches Doc Holliday perform surgery on Lyndon Arnell and he walks, they all empty the bar, they have a surgery in the bar in the saloon and they all walk out and he walks up to uh, he's Desperately in love with Clementine, who is the nurse with uh, uh, Victor Mature as Doc Holliday. And he walks up to the bar and he, he watches her walk away and he looks at Mac, the bartender, and he says, You ever been in love, Mac? And Mac looks at him and says, No, I've been a bartender all my life. <laughs> and, and my other favorite one, and these two, these two stories or lines are connected, is... In Casablanca, um, oh, yeah. the Nazis are interviewing uh, um, Humphrey Bogart. You know, I'm oh, Mr. Rick. Uh, we have some questions <laughs> for you. Claude Rains? And, uh, no, Claude Rains is the French Provençal. Y- yeah, yeah. But the, this is, uh, this is uh, um, um, uh, oh, God. Uh, Captain Hendrik. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the great German me. actor who always he loved playing Nazis. Was that Hans Schulkert? Conrad Veit. Conrad Veit. Oh yes, yes. Because he, he was a heavy, he was a militant anti-Nazi, but he loved playing Nazis to, to as a war effort. That was his way to contribute to the war effort. And, and he was Jewish. And he was Jewish, too. <laughs> which I'm sure they just loved. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and he, as we have some questions for you. And there's the little bald, fat Nazi sitting beside him. And he pulls out the notebook, and he's looking through the notebook. And he's reading back his life, you know. Uh, in 1921, you did this, 1936. And you helped the rebels in Spain and, and so on. And he's reading all these things. And, um, and, he, and you know, uh, Bogart's got little quick one-liners for him, little responses. And finally he says, uh, what is your profession? He says, uh, I'm a drunkard. <laughs> by, by profession, I'm a drunkard. And he says, ah, it's a humor. You know, that American humor <laughs> they always make jokes about. And he says, uh, what do you think about, the, the little fat one goes, what do you think about us invading your Paris? He said, ah, well, some things don't stay, you know, some things do not stay the same. It's, that'd be sad. And he goes, what about your precious London? He goes, well... You know, that'd be that'd be sad too. He goes, and Bogart looks up and he says, "But, uh, gentlemen, there are parts of New York I would seriously advise you from staying away from." <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's been an interesting conversation. I, I don't know that we've solved anything. I don't know that we were out to solve anything. Uh, I, yeah, I agree, Harry. I, I, our mission is not to solve anything. Our mission is bring to it get up. people to think. Yeah, just bring it up. And, Inquiring and minds. Want to know. Yeah. 
So, uh, well, a cowboy always helps somebody in need, even a stranger or an enemy. See? Well, and I also love the line there, Bunker, the uh, <laughs> cowboy is always a patriot. Mm-hmm. And he also it goes out of his way to help old people and children. And dogs. And dogs. Yeah. And he rides for the uh, brand. Rides for the brand. That's right. That's right. Well, here's a Absolutely. great one. When you leave uh, when you leave town after a weekend of carousing, it's perfectly all right to shoot your six guns into the air, whoop like crazy, and ride your horse as fast as you can. <laughs> this is called hoorah in a town. Hoorah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to show your appreciation. We've seen that happen many a time in in films where the uh, marshal or the sheriff uh, has gone out to the cow camp and uh, tell the guys. No hurrah in town, man. Of course, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, of course not. Never does. Well, it was so prevalent that Charlie Russell uh, did a uh, bronze on it called Coming Through the Rye. Yeah, and a couple of paintings. Speaking of Charlie Russell, in the few moments that we have left here, um, I happened to watch a, a, a program, uh, of Forsaken Westerns. Bob Terry does a great YouTube series. Uh, and one of the Forsaken Westerns, this was a pilot I don't remember the year, but it was called Russell, and it star- It was about Charlie Russell, and it starred Fess Parker as Charlie Russell, and uh, I, I didn't realize that it was about Charlie Russell until I saw Fess Parker pick up a paintbrush and start painting on the canvas on the side of the, uh, of, the of the wagon. Either of you guys have any familiarity with that? Well, I I do not. I, I, read, I do not. I read for a documentary. The Charlie Russell thing, and the guy that got the job was a perfect Charlie Russell. In fact, I was there. Buck Taylor was there. Who would have made a great Charlie Russell? Because mm-hmm. not only can he, and not only did he look like him, not only could he cowboy, but he could paint. Yeah. yeah. Well, he sure can. He sure can. Well, it was, it, um, it was an, so it was an interesting to, series. Just to, just to kind of, <clears throat> shall I say, share some. Uh, secrets here. Um, mm-hmm. Our friend Dan Galeasso has written a tremendous, tremendous uh, screenplay. Really? Yeah. About Charlie Russell, and he and I are jawing on it constantly mm. because I have a a different script about Charlie Russell that my father had, uh, and is was all all of all of his papers and documents were left to me when he passed Mm -hmm. so he that script is probably oh is well over 20 years old so we're talking about this whole concept constantly and we need to do a charlie russell show yeah we should do that we should do it i think we should do a charlie russell and i i I hate to sound selfish, but I, I think we should have Dan come on with us and well, talk yeah. about it. Well, that's well, what I was thinking. Well, yeah, definitely. Well, there you are. So, all right, it's uh, a date. Yes. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Next week, uh, we're rapidly running out of time here. Next week, it's going to be a good, good, good show. Uh, we have actor Bruce Boxleitner joining us. And uh, you know him from Babylon 5, lots of sci-fi. But you also know him from a number of westerns. In fact, he's a very accomplished horseman. And what uh, he was a. Uh, How the West was one. Yeah, How the West was one, but uh, he's, he's been inducted into. Gangsters. Oh, the National Cowboy Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, you know. He's, a, he, uh, you know, he's, he's up there with the, uh, the good guys. Yeah. So we'll be talking. And this is the National Day of the Cowboys show. That's right. Oh. So we'll be talking with him next uh, next week. And then uh, upcoming shows. Uh, Oh, in August we've got uh, we've got a gentleman coming in. Uh, we've got a gentleman coming in from uh, the Arizona Rangers. Oh, yeah, that'll be good. Talking about talking about twenty six men. So we're going to do that uh, show. We've also got an author coming up uh, by the name of uh, Mark Langley, and we'll be talking about his new book or latest book, "Death Waits in the Dark." It's a contemporary uh, book about. Uh, it's a western, but it's set in contemporary times. So. That's all the time we've got for today, guys. Great show. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Todd. Thank you've done you so you've much. Done good. Yes, we've uh, we've we had a ball, and now it's time to move on. <laughs> wagon, get the wagons rolling. Get the wagons rolling. So Head until okay. so, so until next time. Seventy-eight. Adios. Seventy-nine. Eighty. So on.
Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.